along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England zone, Van Helsing. Van Helsing. With me, all the way all from... The way from across the pond, in, in the land of the Red Dragon. Not <laughs> you're not predictable, are you? Your, your intros are not predictable at all. I was going to change it up, but uh, heck with you. Why should I waste my breath? You haven't changed that intro in three years. I haven't changed the original opening of the show in 12. (laughs) (laughs) Why should I do it now? (laughs) Anyways, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Pararex, uh, Planet Paranormal. Who did I forget out? Seems like I'm missing. Yeah, Ghost Channel. Um, iPod. iPod. iTunes. Ghostbox. Ghostbox. Anyways, uh, just going to see you in about... 19 days, 17 days, you're going to be over here? Uh, well, I was just realizing that two weeks tomorrow morning, I'm off to London to board an aeroplane to Boston Lo- General Logan. Wow, that's that's amazing. Yes, so, so two weeks to go. You're coming up over here for a whirlwind adventure, uh, doing spirit quest and uh, dining with the dead and ghostology, ghostology. and all the that. lighthouse. Yep, the haunted lighthouse, everything. So uh, there you go. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, check out the website, anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, as we like to say, November Echo Ghost Project. We we better just explain some of the things that we're doing because Spirit Quest, you've put together a fantastic package for this year, Spirit Quest Genesis. And uh, do you want to... Do you want to just run through the events list? Because it's... I can't, it's too big. Oh, go on. It's really good this year. You've excelled yourself. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this year we decided to go back to the the beginning. Uh, The rise of spiritualism and the rise of ghost hunting. So we've got a a potpourri of events, including uh, a red light seance. This is... Which is going to be kind of cool because it's it's based on the magician's red light seance, which will be really neat. Uh, we will having uh, a Ouija board workshop with uh, Robert Murch and Jason Robito. Uh, also, we're having Scott uh, Stevens, who's a a Scottish spiritualist and he's coming over from scotland to do some events including uh an actual spiritualist uh what do you call it meeting or whatever they they are karaoke yeah whatever it is yeah i'm actually going to be sharing that yeah it's a real karaoke a lot of people don't know what it is and so this is kind of cool way of doing it 
And uh, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of other stuff. I mean, there's scrying uh, workshops and Ouija board workshops, and uh, what else we have here? Oh, automatic writing psychometry, workshops, psychometry, psychometry, zenicards, yeah. yada yada. It goes on and on and on. So it, you, you're playing it down. I'm sorry, you are playing it down. Uh, if anybody's listening, actually, Ron has put together a fantastic package for this year's Spirit Quest. And yes, I'm biased because yes, I'm going, but it's superb. It, we, as, as Ron says, it looks right the way back, 5,000 years to the dawn of ghost hunting and spiritualism, uh, way, way, way back beyond what most people think, uh, the Fox Sisters and Harry Price and all that. It goes way back further than that. And uh, you've put together a superb package. And there's lots more events. You've just skimmed through them there. Um, right. But it's a cl- last year cl- was a fantastic weekend. I'd shush a minute. It was a fantastic weekend with lots of really good talks and presentations and an excellent investigation, which this year is themed, isn't it? Uh, steampunk, which yes, I think is. has got to be, I think, is a first because uh, what you haven't mentioned in that is that in addition to the talks and presentations, uh, there's also. Um, some of the earliest ghost hunting tech will be on display or well, reproduction. We'll actually be using it. We'll actually be using it. Yeah. yeah. So reproduction ghost tech from the early days of ghost investigation will be available as well, along with its modern counterparts. Um, and even better than that are the Dining with the Dead events because they're superb too. Mm-hmm. And uh, not just superb for the quality of the after-dinner speakers, but the food yeah, is to brought, die for. Yeah, we brought, <laughs> uh, we brought uh, Dining with the Dead uh, to Spirit Quest, and we're going to have Chinese food for that one, so that would be cool. So anyways, uh, speaking about Spirit Quest, and, uh, we have a, a lady, young lady on our show who has been with me for the first two Spirit Quests, and she, I've known her for a while now, and uh, she's a delightful person. Uh, she's a psychic, and she actually has a psychic belly, which is even more amazing. So, But she works with the Crystal Skulls as well, and she is Jane Doherty. Jane, you with us? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, we're going to miss you here in uh, Spur Yeah, yeah. I'll miss you too. <laughs> so it sounds how, like how it's going to be really good. Well, we decided to theme it this year, so that's why we, we went that route. So uh, mm-hmm. who knows what I'll do next year with comes out of my watt mind. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons we have you on the show, not that we don't love talking with you, is that Steve Parsons, who lives in the U.K., there's a show in the U.K. now, Steve, isn't there? That's right. I was watching, flipping through the channels uh, the a few Saturdays ago and came across on our channel over here called Quest, uh, which is one of the Discovery Network channels, a show called Dead Tenant. And lo and behold, there was a medium on it who I recognized and said, that's Jane Doherty. <laughs> and I watched, um, watched the show. And uh, I said to Ron that I'd seen it, caught the show, and... Uh, suggested that we that we get you on because the show is still airing here in the uk i think they're about six into the was there was there eight in the series but i think we're about uh, number ten. six in now ten well i think we're about six or seven in now um and i thought it would be a, um, a topical time and a good time to get you on the show sounds great i'm so, delighted Jay- to be on 
So, so Jane, you want to tell us a little bit about for those who haven't seen the, the show? Uh, it was done several years. Well, I think it's about eight years that we uh, actually taped the video, the uh, TV show. And it was going into a haunted place, but it was a family. or it, it, they, they requested help, and that's how we went into the investigation, and we stayed there for three days with a you know team and a few psychics. And the way that we would do it is no psychic ever knew what the other psychic said. And we would go in separately, and it would be recorded. And then there was also researchers that would be heading off to the library and everything else to, to research anything that the psychic said to see if they can find correlations. And the goal was to solve the problem, was to help the family reporting the experience. And also there was a skeptic that was on, someone that was associated with the family who was a skeptic. So, of course, the idea was also to help convince the skeptic that the family was indeed having problems. Can I just ask that? Uh, why... Uh, you, you raise the subject of having a skeptic. Do you think that's important that you try to convince the skeptic? Uh, you know, you have your beliefs, and uh, the family have had their experiences. Is there really any necessity uh, to convince somebody that they're real, or is this just part of the programming? I think it was part of the program. I don't think it was necessary for us, but I think in some of the situations, the skeptic was a family member who would indeed taunt the people who were having the experience and saying, oh, there's nothing real here. It's just your imagination. It's this or that. So that is why the skeptic was on and that we also worked at trying to convince the skeptic by mm -hmm. what the, the – um, investigation turned out to be so for that reason it was important for the family experiencing the phenomena to give them some some degree of assurance of the the nature yeah. of the experience i guess Did, what, what's your personal um viewpoint on people who have skeptical beliefs my personal viewpoint is you know i started off in this field as a skeptic so i always appreciate a skeptic because I once was a skeptic until I started to prove to myself it was real. So I'm fine with a skeptic. My usual, if I'm interviewed by uh, the media, my usual answer would be, do you believe in love? And, of course, they'll say yes. And then I'll proceed to tell them that love can be measured, you know, physiologically. There are certain things that happen to us, yet scientists cannot prove that love exists. That's the way it is with psychic phenomena and ghost phenomena. Do you think we'll ever be able to prove psychic phenomena, Jane? Yes. Or worse, that love exists. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would, in, in love, if you ask 10 people, what do you experience? What is love? You're going to have 10 different descriptions and perceptions of what they feel and, and what they believe it is. Actually, you know what, what's really cool to me, and they have those stupid show, uh, commercials on TV for uh, Kalis or whatever it is, the, uh, the Viagra or the other Viagra, and they always have 
like the couples that just look each other or something that's really <laughs> simple. And to me, that's what really love is. It's just that that little thing that each other's do that really touches the other person. And but the the only thing I, I hate about those commercials, I, I just don't get the symbolism of the bathtubs. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's me. <laughs> We were talking about the skeptic aspect when episode eight of the series mm-hmm. is in the junkyard in New York State, and there is a dramatic change in the skeptic that's very heartwarming because it helped her daughters and, and it helped the relationship between the mother and the daughters as a result of no longer being a skeptic. I want to drag you back, if I may, to the answer, the very brief answer that you gave when I said, do you think we'll be able to prove um, psychic phenomena? And you simply said yes. Um, do you want, can, can you expand on that answer a little bit? Well, in, I think in what that... ways will we, will we start to get this proof? Where will the proof come from? Because science does demand something tangible, not just a say-so. Yes, I think that what will eventually happen is we will... We will change the scientific model to include people's experiences. And then you see patterns, and that becomes um, a little bit more scientific. And I really do think that eventually you're, you're going to have, you're going to capture more on camera. You're going to actually see a spirit. There are, pictures of, there are pictures of ghosts, I mean, do, uh, uh, that have been presented as evidence. Um, do you have, you know, have you seen some of these that you find convincing? Uh, there's the one that um, Dr. Hans Holzer captured years ago. And that is a photograph, because I did see it in, in person, also the photograph. And that, to me, looked certainly real. And we didn't have all the enhancements then that you have now. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's harder today because we have digital and we have so much that can change. Yeah. It, is, it is incredibly so easy for people photographs. to... It is incredibly easy for people to engineer pictures, as we yeah. see with these ghost apps. Um, have you ever been in a situation where, uh, for me, as an investigator, the holy grail has always been to correlate some objective uh, evidence from a camera or from a piece of equipment with a subjective experience? So something yeah, perhaps the medium has said or something one of the people at the during the investigation or or living in the house has said, have you ever been in a situation where you've obtained that holy grail, where you've had an experience that's been uh, confirmed or correlated by an item of equipment? Um, okay, with the equipment, mm, I mean, in an EVP, yes, we've gone that. But what brings to mind to me is, Dead tenants in episode nine, no, the last episode in 10. Uh-huh. Because of the research that the researchers did, there was direct correlation to things I had said in that investigation as a medium. Mm-hmm. Also, in that investigation, I did things that were unusual compared to the other investigations. For instance, I walked into a room and I started to get a uh, dizzy kind of feeling, like I was going into a trance. 
And then ultimately, I went into a trance for them and allowed the Spirit to speak through, through me. And it took us across the land, and the Spirit was telling me about a church. And we tried to find the church, which ultimately did. What it turned out to be is almost exactly what I said. All the other psychics were saying it was a hospital, it was all kinds of things. I was picking up a minister. I was picking up religious aspects, and the person was trying to return a book to a church is what he was telling me. What we learned in the research is this particular place was uh, the setting for revival meetings. So the trance feeling that I was getting is what they, the swaying is what they would do in the place. And it was a minister. We found the church about maybe a half a block from where we stopped during the night, and it was the minister's um, church that he had reconstructed from New York City. And his father also was a pastor. And that book was the uh, pastor's father's last sermon was in it before he died. And the book was being thrown out. So he was uh, trying to get this book brought back to the church. uh, What's interesting as well is... It was interesting. It wasn't through uh, EVP or cameras, but through the information and the research that was done. What you said is actually interests me, and it, it ties in nicely with the question in the chat room as well, because what you said is that some of the other psychics working on the show uh, were picking up on a hospital, whereas you were picking up on a religious uh, establishment, a church. Um, yeah, it was, it was very different, and none of us would know what the researcher had determined as far as in the yeah. interview. But what I was mean, happening is the other psychics were picking up what the researcher had written down, what the family had thought it was. So in this particular one, what happened is they were happy because I was wrong. They thought I was wrong anyway. But it turned out to be that I was the only one right. Yeah, this is is interesting. And that's the thing thing with being a psychic. I trust myself. So even though somebody is getting something different, I don't go in that direction. I try to stay within what I'm receiving. And that's what I did in... It was an incredible experience. That Isn't that kind of saying that the other psychics were wrong um, in a way that, you know, were they as psychic as you? Is it... Um, uh, you know, is it? Well, probably not. They probably don't <laughs> or, have the same well, kind of experience. That, that and also, I was president of the Jersey Society of Parapsychology for 10 years. So I started off as a skeptic, so I am very careful in how I interpret uh, you know, I look at things a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and that's probably what happened. And I don't read minds. When I do a reading, I'm 90% in the future when I'm doing a regular reading. And I think that makes a difference, so I'm not telepathic picking up on what somebody else is saying it is. So you're you're suggesting that possibly the psychics may be actually using telepathy to to yeah. uh, perhaps read the, the researcher. I, I said Beth in the chat room is asking a similar sort of question, um, which I think you're kind of answering there, which is can two psychics see two different things? Um, a 
it happens a lot. It, you know, what I usually say, people, psychics usually get the right information, but we interpret it wrong. And it's always based on our instrument and the experiences that we've had and our perceptions. So the clearer instrument is usually someone who's been able to release some of the emotional issues and, and try to get to the core because we can interpret it with a little bit more clarity at times. Now, you and I, have, I mean, we've, we're talking about dead tenants, which you're showing here in the UK at the moment, and you probably uh, recall I've, I've been on TV once or twice myself, but uh, do you actually find there's, there's, is there any value in these sort of paranormal shows, or are they, you know, I keep telling people they're, they're really for entertainment um, and that, that you shouldn't really take them too too literally what's your opinion of paranormal television television shows well what's going on now exactly i don't i don't watch a lot of them because i could see how it can be changed i will say this our show was done by a documentarian so therefore and he was very careful there was nothing changed in it because and of course this was years back you could do that and so nothing was changed. And what they did tell me at the end, and our party, a lot of the um, the help, the the cameramen, everything, they started telling me how much reality TV is scripted. And they said your show was not. And we had no idea that reality TV was so scripted. We just went in it, and whatever came about is what they taped. But today, a, there's a lot why, of fraud going on. Yeah. Is that why? Is that why documentary doesn't usually get a second run? I know, like you take Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters, and over here, Most Haunted, you know, they run for you know, ten series, twelve series, fourteen series, and yet shows like Dead Tenant um, and documentaries, of course, a single run series or one-off shows. Is that because it's just not as interesting? Without the, without the I, sort of yeah, I scripting. think people want to be scared. They they like that scared factor, that spookiness, that demon stuff, that possession, is what they're looking at, or and not what is real. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Because you look at the the shows that are out there now. I mean, for instance, Ghost Hunters, and I always say this, is that when they first started doing it, uh, like 50% of their, their places were not haunted, but soon just about every place was haunted. Right. And then soon, it couldn't. that wasn't even scary enough. They had to start, every place was possessed by evil and demons. Yes. So I, get keep upset. Moving it up I get upset. I get very upset because I'm in the field a long time. And when I began... Uh, I was the first one in New Jersey to set up a ghost tour and a public seance, and I did it to counteract people's fear of the unknown, and I wanted them to learn about the spirit world and not to be afraid. And today, it's just awful, because everything now is being driven by demons and dark and, and being afraid, and it upsets me, because I worked in the other way to teach Jane, you, um, because as I say, we see you on Dead Tenant here in the UK, but you, you've obviously been involved in the paranormal um, for a long, long time. How did you get start to become involved in the paranormal? Oh, years.
years ago, um, I think it was in the very early 80s, there was a parapsychological conference here in New Jersey, and I learned about it. And I went to the conference, and that's how I got pulled in. And at that time, the Jersey Society of Parapsychology was originally started by a scientist, Dr. Douglas Dean, and a psychic healer. And they were the, the first before it was in colleges. And then once it, it, it we actually did research back then, uh, and then it went into the colleges, so we didn't do the amount of research that was done from years ago. So that's what attracted me, was trying to understand whether this was real or not. And I went to that first conference and then became a member of the Jersey Society of Parapsychology. And I got pulled in, and I wasn't psychic at the time. I just had an interest in this. And then I went to a psychic to see what it was all about. And I kind of laughed at the psychic because the psychic told me that I would be a famous psychic and be on TV and do this, all these things, and I thought it was crazy. And then I got into my own personal research and went to over 150 psychics to determine whether this was real or not. And then the only way to prove or disprove it was to attempt to become psychic. And that's what I did as the president of the Jersey Society of Parapsychology. Never expecting to do it as far as readings and things like this. It was just for my own personal research. Well, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this, and obviously we're coming very close to the break, so maybe after the break, because a lot of psychics say that uh, whilst you can learn to, do, to develop some skills, that you have to be innately psychic or born psychic, and yet you've just said something very, very interesting, that, that you actually uh, started off as a, as a sceptical researcher, and that you basically became psychic through through training and through through study um, which is which is contradictory to what a lot of mediums and psychics are saying i find that absolutely fascinating yes it's you know we could talk about it after the break but uh absolutely this was research for me something else happened in my investigation of it do you think that you were intrinsically well, before psychic? You, before you go into that, that we, we're just about up to the break, so we'll hold I know, that I'm watching the so, clock. So, so anyways, um, we are, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet. And, uh, Jane, would you give out your website for us? So sure, you it's forget. under my name, janedoherty.com, uh, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y. And what can they find on the website, Jane? Go online, Jane Doherty. No, no, what can they find on the site, dear? Oh, <laughs> you can find all the different things I've done, and uh, there are ghost investigations listed. There's EVPs of the Lizzie Borden house and another uh, EVP. I've got information on the crystal skull. So there's a lot of information on there, and I'm actually redoing it so it becomes a WordPress site so I can do a blog and do a lot more. Excellent. Anyways, we are up on the break, so you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And our special guest is Jane Doherty, and we'll be right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. And we're back. We were all so busy jigging away in the chat room to the Adams Family theme and the Ghostbusters theme that I very nearly missed the intro to part two of Ghost Chronicles International. With me, your co-host, <laughs> uh, apparently the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons, and over on the sensible side of the Atlantic, what do you mean did it just speak French? Uh, the sensible side of the Atlantic, New England's very own Van Helsink. 
as he keeps pronouncing it, not Van Helsing, as he spells it. Our very special guest tonight is psychic medium and uh, TV star, I guess, Jane Doherty. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting, too, is uh, I want to mention before I do forget, is uh, you've got to tune in tomorrow night to see the video production of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, where we will have uh, clips from the older shows, uh, some of the ones that we did. You'll see Ann and I in Disson Gobs, and plus we're wearing special gob tomorrow. As we'll have cake and champagne, so you can actually become part of the audience, too, so. There you go. Anyways, the first one was very good. The first show in that series was very good, as I recall. Actually, we we had to take some of that out because there were a couple of uh, outtakes that we put in, so it's going to be fun. And I believe you're in it. <laughs> Re- not the outtake at the end where I stood up when the camera lights. You went, will just have to tune in and find out. <laughs> you will just have to tune out. Uh, you see the fantasy world, La La Land of television, which is you what we were talking about before see. the break. So anyways, joining us is Jane Dory, and we were going to ask her something about something after the break, and of course I'm 110 yeah. years old, so I forget. Yeah, because you keep interrupting, so what it was was Jane had said before the break something very, very interesting for me as a researcher, because we've we've had quite a few mediums on the show over the years, and I you know, we've, we've talked about the developing, you know, how they develop as mediums, and uh, the general consensus seems to be that, you know, you have to have it innate within you, uh, whereas Jane appeared to say almost the opposite that as a skeptic as a as an investigator as a parapsychologist uh she went to study mediumship and discovered that it was developing within her um and to the point where you know she is today where she is a a respected psychic jane do you think it was always there or do you think it it has actually developed uh, as a result of your research and study I think it, it actually developed. There wasn't anything that I had as a child that would indicate mediumship or psychic ability. It's something I did <laughs> once I started having interest in this, is through my research and trying to understand what it is, is how it developed. Now, I have the ability, I think part of it was helped for the fact that I have the ability uh, to go into a trance state because of hypnosis, because I also do hypnosis. And I think from being able to self-hypnotize myself to go deeper into my consciousness, it probably facilitated it. But totally, you know, I'm living proof it can be developed. Yeah, that's that's really that's really uh, fascinating because parapsychology um, with the uh, actually has a there's a sort of um, interesting aspect to mediumship and parapsychology because another parapsychological institute, the Parapsychological Foundation, was of course founded by the world famous medium Eileen Garrett. Mm-hmm. As, as a as a means to understand the phenomenon that she'd experienced all of her life, and she went on record, uh, you know, to say that she wanted to understand the experiences, but she didn't believe that they were coming from from dead people communicating with her. She never she never subscribed to that. How do you think? Uh, where do you think that the the, the when you communicate with the spirits, um, whilst you were resolving the cases on dead tenant? Do you think that the messages were coming from 
a deceased entity, uh, a discarnate spirit, or do you think there was some form of quantum telepathy or something else taking place? No, I felt it was from a discarnate entity. I clearly felt that um, because of of the communication that I would do. And, and because I have this crazy phenomenon that goes on with my stomach, so I oh, don't didn't even communicate get into that. until my stomach reacts, and I know spirit is there. Right. Then I'll get into a deep consciousness, altered state of consciousness, and be able to communicate. Clearly, even that, I, I will say this, that, yeah, okay, you might be able to telepathically receive something, but there's one thing that happened to me, or two things that to me are clearly, I, it wasn't undead tenants, it was other circumstances, um, that were clearly spirit communication. And one was a seance I did that I kept getting the names John and Grace and nobody related to it. And, and this spirit just kept coming around me and wouldn't leave me alone. And no matter how I said it, nobody related. Then I said, there is a gravestone. He's trying to tell me about a gravestone crumbling. Nobody reacted again. So I couldn't go forward with it. About four or five days later, I get an email from one of the participants. And she told me, unknown to her at the time, her friend John's father died. And his girlfriend, Grace, was handling the funeral arrangements. And they had to bury him in a different cemetery because the uh, cemetery had been vandalized and the gravestones were all crumbled. Now, that to me was a clear spirit communication. There was nobody there that I could pick up anything from telepathically. And I'm always looking for things like that because I started off as a researcher. Another example was during a seance when somebody wanted me to give them the nickname of what her mother called her. And it was at the end of the seance. Her mother had already come through. But I said, all right, I will try because we were ending it. But I went in, and all I could get was an image of an elephant. No matter what I did, pushed the image away, tried to get more information, this image of an element, elephant would come. So I came out of the, you know, with my eyes closed and I said to her, I'm so sorry, I cannot get it. I said, all I keep receiving is an image of an elephant. She burst out crying because her mother used to call her Dumbo. Oh, geez. So it shows <laughs> how spirits communicate. They will communicate in pictures. Mm-hmm. So it was it was remarkable, but this is the the types of of things to me that I clearly know it's spirit communication. Right. Talking about spirit communication, this year we're we're featuring uh, you know a lot of communication devices at Spirit Quest early attempts to communicate with spirit using uh, items like the Ouija board and, uh, and and currently the ghost box, you know, you have this direct line. Um, what's your, what's your view and opinion on these, these uh, EVP devices and, and the use of the Ouija board? You know, is it, is it right? Is it, is it possible for, for anyone just to directly communicate? I'm not that familiar with the ghost box. I can see that uh, I don't believe in, in, in the ghost box because I've only done it once. 
and it just seems as though you can be picking up information. There's something there going on that I'm not familiar with. The Ouija board is an interesting thing because that's one of the ways I did my very first ghost investigation years ago. Really? With a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And so I know there are moments real information can come through. And there was also another case where actually he was a famous um, rocker at the time. I did a seance for them. And he had told me about a a uh, experience he had with the Ouija board. And it had to do with how his father was killed, and then they started to investigate and follow what the Ouija board was saying, and they were finding everything out to be truth. And then I pleaded with them to do no more because I could see where the situation was leading, and his father had been murdered, and he was going to uncover things that it could get him murdered. But the Ouija board was giving very specific information. So there are times, I do believe, that you can tap in, not all the time, but there are, are, are exceptional moments where a spirit is really there using it with you. Is it good or evil because there is a huge debate that's been raging for years? In fact, it oh. was raging today on Listen. Facebook. Where people, where people are saying that, you know, don't use the board. Don't use the board uh, yeah, because no. you'll only open the door to evil entities who will come and do terrible things to you. Is there any truth in that, or is it just stuff of stuff of um, legend and nonsense? I don't. The way I perceive it is this, because that'll be a question over the years of lecturing. Somebody will ask me, so I tell them I prefer to teach you how to use it properly than to tell you not to use it, because. They'll turn around and they'll go and use it. Uh, the most important thing, I think, when you if you get something there that is dark and you get frightened and you just stop and you don't, you know, tell it to leave and change the energy of the board, well, then you've brought something there that could stay. And in that sense, you could have problems. I also find it depends on who you work the board with because like attracts like. So someone you're doing it with, that may have negative energy in them or around them or negative in some way could attract a negative spirit. But per se, you're going to, no, I don't feel that just because you use a Ouija board that you're going to bring in um, demons and, and dark energy. I mean, yeah, what is, what is it just the Ouija board that they come in on? I mean, why say, oh, we can only come in on the Ouija board. We can't go in if you're doing glass world. We can't come in if you're doing dials, and we can't come in if you're doing EVPs. No, we only can go – that's the gate. So that's the way – it doesn't make sense. Logically. No, it, it, they it can come in in other in ways. I mean, I don't use anything when I communicate or when I do a reading. I don't read cards. I'm doing it clairvoyantly. So it, they can come in in different ways. But the concentration I, I find extremely important. And if you take a, da, uh, you know, a pendulum or you take a dowsing rod and you take a Ouija board and you start working the Ouija board, you will see your concentration is sharper and deeper working that Ouija board when you're doing it with intent as opposed to when you are trying to do the pendulum or a dowsing rod for spirit. You could test it. You test yourself, and you can see that concentration is greater with a Ouija board. And I think that is a factor 
the level of concentration that we can get to is going to be how we get to open that psychic doorway and are able to communicate. Is the board still available in you know in toy stores in America? Of course I, it is. Over, of course it is. Over here. Well, yes. I guess I guess we'll be visiting Toys R Us then, Ron. We got the, uh, because... we, we got the brand new one that has the uh, the uh, ultraviolet uh, ultraviolet planchette, electronic planchette. You see, we one of the one somebody uh, one of the other uh, paranormal researchers on Facebook was uh, expressing surprise that here in the UK the Ouija board is so commonly used by paranormal teams, whereas over in the states. Uh, his impression is that they've switched to a more you know, electronic approach. That's um, not true. Well, the bizarre thing is we actually don't sell them over here. Uh, huh? not, none of our toy stores sell them. Um, toys R Us don't sell them. You have to order them in specially, usually from America. So, really? uh, Yeah. So, One of the leading uh, manufacturers of, of odd Ouija boards comes from the U.K. If you go into, like, uh, Amazon or anything and check out some of these special <laughs> Isn't editions. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but we also we also export the best tea to America. Now you stop throwing it in the harbour. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, anyways, as far as the Ouija board goes, <laughs> I mean, if you if you, to me, right, it's to no different. Us. It's no different than any other form of communication. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you, Jane, on the uh, concentration thing because I mean, on the Ouija board, you're usually doing it with someone else too, so you have different people on it. Uh, right. Right. So, it's the so intent I, of the people, the, the concentration with it is what I have found. Okay. And I mean, I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a closer look at it. That I'll be I honest. was able I'll... to receive information that way. Yeah, but I'll be honest, you know, as a, as a science-focused investigator, I, I have learned that it's possible to take control of a group of people using a Ouija board and without laying a finger on the board, actually bend them to, to my will and, you know, essentially get it to produce answers that I want it to produce using plain psychology um, and simple, very, very simple tricks. And what's it most interesting is I've seen exactly those same tricks used by mediums uh, whilst conducting seances in, in, in paranormal investigations. Often... Um, the medium is unwittingly using the tricks. They're, they've sort of learned a pattern that works for them. But what they're in fact doing is is a form of mass group control. Uh, I've seen that, yes. I would agree with you. Yeah, but we all do that, even in investigating. I mean, it, it, we, we're using tricks in ourselves. We're using paradigms. Paradolia, I can't even say it. Paradolia. No, 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 no. You, you might. You might. No, I mean, we do that. I mean, everybody does. They circle the freaking red things and pictures and everything else because they're actually saying, okay, see, this is where yeah. a ghost is. And they draw a yeah. picture around it. Or they tell you what the EVP is and, yeah. and uh, you, you know, you, you pick up on it. So in, in a way, we, use, we all use those tricks. No, no, no. You, can keep, you, keep, you keep saying that word there, all. 
Yeah. Oh, especially you, Parsons. Yeah. I know I, you, you use the reverse. You use uh, skeptical uh, things. So you're saying, <laughs> no, it, it, there is nothing there. So therefore, even if there was something there, it would be nothing that's, there because that's you put the so no, no, no. True. Oh, it's so that's true. So it's true. Paris science is so bent. Oh, I can't. Believe <laughs> but in the same respect, as a, as a skeptic, if he starts being really skeptical with intent. Exactly. He's going to throw the whole thing off because I've I've had that happen when you have somebody who is there just to test you, it'll Take throw no everything note. off because that Take energy no interferes. Notice of him, Jane. Take no notice of him. I am <laughs> I am I am I am the most open-minded individual you could we'll ever see. meet. We'll see. We'll see. However, I, you know, as a, as a researcher, Jane, you know that yeah. uh, it's a case of know thy enemy and know their tricks uh, for one of his forearms. And I see a lot of really simple, I mean, most of the mediums, most of the better mediums, I have to say, would make brilliant parapsychologists, make brilliant psychologists, because they are experts at understanding people. Um, I think that goes hand in hand with mediumship, and a lot of mediums also counsellors uh, again this expertise in understanding people, and there is a there's there's a kind of line where the the understanding becomes controlling, and you do see, and I have seen often, um, and it's not just mediums I stress, it's also the leaders of investigation teams will use very similar tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, to manipulate the investigation or manipulate the expectations and the outcomes of the investigation. Uh, and I think it's important, Ron, that you do recognise these tricks and periodically maybe show people them, which is I, what you I assume is scepticism. I, I think that's a great idea. And, in fact, I think we maybe will try this Ouija board experiment of yours at uh, SpiritQuest. So, uh, I will be more than the, happy to demonstrate. The, 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 gauntlet, the gauntlet has been dropped. Yeah. <laughs> There's also, uh, I, I come from the time when we didn't have the equipment that you had, and I would do an investigation with the researcher, and all he would use would be a tape recorder and a map of the house. And the way we would do it is I didn't know where I was going until five minutes before I had to leave the house, so I couldn't do any research. And then the family had already mapped out on a piece of paper where they reported ghost activity. Then I would get there and they would give me a piece of paper with it outlined as far as just without where the ghosts are. And I would go through the house and I would mark off where I felt ghost activity was. In my case, it was my stomach that was alerting to when there was a spirit. And then at the end of the investigation, you would take what I marked off and put that on top of what the family had marked off, and you would match it to see how much it matched. And in this one time, when it was the first time my stomach had done this to me, uh, the family had reported nine places in the house where there's been spirit activity. My stomach located eight of the nine places almost in the exact spot of where they had seen the spirit. Now, we talked about your stomach. Uh, why don't you quickly give us a synopsis of, of, you know, some people might not know about your psychic belly, as I like to call it. But, uh, this crazy belly of mine. Yeah. Um, when I am near spirit 
energy, my stomach will expand anywhere from three to five inches. That's how I know a spirit is around me. It will alert me, and then that's when I will get into my uh, psychic mode, close my eyes, and get into an altered state to uh, receive whatever it is that they're trying to tell me or why it's there. Now, why this happens to me is a big mystery. Uh, As a psychic, I'm extremely sensitive. And when I began to do my psychic readings, I would feel a person. I would bring that energy to my gut. And I think that once I got into ghost investigations, I just was so sensitive to this energy that I would physically react. I've had medical doctors on my ghost tours checking me out when my stomach enlarges. They can't explain it. I've had surgery three times on my stomach, so I thought, oh, this will never happen anymore. But that did not affect it. Uh, Recent research I read done in actually in in Britain, on Great Britain, that they have found, scientists have found that the stomach may actually have a separate brain. That would make sense as to why the stomach is reacting differently than, than what my head is at that point. So it's just um, a crazy thing that, that's me. Yeah, that's that's. I, it's hard to follow that because uh, I I was I was trained as a nurse and it's certainly you know I, I understand the the anatomy and physiology of the human body but um I, it's not something I I don't I'm trying to I'm racking my brain to try and think of other mediums who have had similar experiences that they relate to you know, different parts of their body as a as a trigger perhaps you know the only thing I can think of is is in in terms of people with epilepsy because they have these pre-dromal incidents where Mm -hmm. they might smell something or taste something or or some part of their body will react prior to the 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 epileptic attack itself you know several minutes or even hours beforehand um but i I, i'm just no i can't think of any other mediums immediately off the top of my head uh, who who have similar experiences i've never i've never met anyone that has one person did contact me from England who said that she had a little bit of what happened to me. And this goes years back when she, she you know, emailed me. But other than that, uh, there is no one that I know of. And it is a strange phenomenon, and it is very accurate in the sense that when I would do all this work with the researcher, I knew nothing when I went into the investigation, and um, he would tell me nothing. And my stomach would locate the spirits, and where there was no spirit activity, my stomach wouldn't react. And it's just been that way ever since. It's how I do the investigations, how I do ghost tours. When you come on a ghost tour, you'll see this happen. And I like to joke and say, if this is gas, you wouldn't be able to stay in the room. Because, (laughs) you know, you see it, and it hurts. It hurts. I even... I can tell whether it's a female spirit, a child spirit, or a male spirit based on the way it grips me. Because a child spirit will only grip me up to around the belly button. Wow. And, I hate to tell uh, you this, James. Yeah, unfortunately. That's, that's the doorbell, which means uh, pizza from the dead here, and we have to wrap it up. Okay. So uh, we want to thank you so much for being on the show. And, and for those in the uh, U.K., catch uh, Jane on what channel? Uh, um, uh 
Channel 38 on Freeview. It's the television on the Quest channel, uh, normally on a Saturday night, I think 10 o'clock UK time. Okay. So, Jane, uh, janedoherty.com is your website? Yeah. All right, Jane, thank you so much for joining oh, you're us. Welcome. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Yep, Great to now. talk to you. Bye bye now. Bye. Bye bye. Wow, that was cool. Huh? I always like Jane. She's yeah, That's um, I, I completely, you know, many of the things there were completely, uh, I would say, were fascinating and interesting, uh, the responses, because, um, you know, the medians, each one's got a different take, and Jane's was it was really, really fascinating. Right. Now, uh, once again, uh, you'll be over here in a couple of weeks, so go to the website, yeah. com. the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, and, and check out uh, some of Steve's event, including Spirit Quest's Ghostology. Don't check him out. Come to the event. Buy a ticket. Come along. Tell me what you think of me afterwards. Uh-huh. Right. And uh, tune in tomorrow night uh, for the live uh, video production of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and myself. Uh, You can catch it here on TojiNet or you can catch the audio on the regular things. But you can also go to EBC TV and catch it there as well. So there you go. Uh, you know, just about out of time, but I remember uh, there was a guy in the UK that was doing that, trying to become a psychic. I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Matthew, Ian. Dr. Matthew Smith. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. How did yeah, that ever Dr. work out? Uh, he's still not psychic. Okay. There you go. So there's the tunes, <laughs> which means we've got to wrap it up. So, Steve, uh, thanks a lot uh, for joining us today. And, uh, you know, stay dry. We have uh, a good guest next week, don't we? Quickly shout the name out. Uh, who is it? Jeff Belanger. Oh, okay, cool. All right, Jeff Belanger next week. We're going to be talking about something, I'm sure. I forget what yeah. it was. Sexy new ghost tech. There you go. Okay, so till next time, uh, good night, God bless. Good night, God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.